Welcome back to It's an Inside Job podcast. I'm your host, Jason Lim. Now, this podcast is dedicated to helping you to help yourself and others to become more mentally and emotionally resilient so you can be better at bouncing back from life's inevitable setbacks. Now, on It's an Inside Job, we decode the science and stories of resilience into practical advice, skills, and strategies that you can use to impact your life and those around you. Now, with that said, let's slip into the stream. Well, welcome to my very first podcast and the very first episode of It's an Inside Job. Now, my name is Jason Lim. Now, to begin with, why did I start this podcast? Well, it was a result of the pandemic. Now, the pandemic here in Norway landed somewhere about March 2020, and more than likely it landed before that. But as we move into a post-pandemic world, I think what is going to be very important is the ability for individuals, families, teams, organizations to build mental, emotional, and physical resilience. And that is the major focus of this podcast. Now, some episodes will be solo pilot episodes where it will just be me sharing my musings and my understandings of cognitive sciences, the clinical sciences, and applying psychology and neuroscience to understanding the nuts and bolts, very science-based of how to build resilience. But Of course, that's far from the full spectrum, the full picture. So in order to add a broader perspective, to add more vibrancy to this important subject of resilience, I want to bring on different professionals from different disciplines, from different schools, from different continents and countries to add to the picture of this discussion, this ongoing discussion. So the question is, why do I want to focus on building mental, emotional, physical resilience? Well, again, it comes from the pandemic. As we move into a post-pandemic world, well, psychological safety, resilience, overthinking, rumination, and resilience in general are going to be growing topics. Why? Well, anytime we move into some sort of traumatic situation, the first thing we focus on is physical safety. And we saw this. We saw lockdowns. We saw people creating social isolation. People move from schools. We closed down everything in, in societies. And that was the physical. And so as we saw, we start seeing the psychological burden. It's a psychological wave that usually follows the physical wave. And there will be psychological repercussions because of all these isolations and lockdowns and what have you. And just the general scare of this pandemic. Now, the question is, how do we constructively move forward? We don't have to always talk about post-traumatic stress. I think the conversation needs to move on and evolve to post-traumatic growth. And that is why I am so passionate about creating this one-stop shop for resilience, for listeners, something you can share with your kids, your family, your colleagues, if you're a leader with your team. Maybe it's not the podcast, but maybe it triggers a discussion, a conversation, And it's ideas about resilience. It's about psychological safety. It's how do we deal with overthinking, negative uh, thinking spirals and, and rumination. How do we deal with 
the stress and the anxiety and the depression and the anger and the isolation. These are not negative emotions. They're just uncomfortable emotions, but emotions that are still important. But how do we process emotions? And so all of these things, plus other subjects that we can include under the umbrella of resilience is what this podcast is going to be about. As I said, it's going to be a one-stop shop where we can collect the stories, skills, and strategies of how to build resilience. Well, finally, we've reached 2022. You know, with a new year means a fresh canvas. And I want to start painting it with optimistic expectations. But unfortunately, the turbulence of the last few years has, well, it has left me somewhat doubtful. And I find that as hard as I try, I can't shift my gears into full optimism. You know, for me, my expectations for the new year are a mixture of trepidation and positive expectation. So the past year, and in some sorts, has derailed me, as did most of us in the world. And it forced me to become a tourist in my own life. You know, I've had to take account of those things that I've lost and also those things that I've gained. As much as I would like to have rewound and replayed the last two years, well, that thinking is just a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. You know, the sense of certainty and the the sense of autonomy, that independence we feel, these are the two pillars that the brain requires to feel stable. You know, the last year or the last years rattled both of these psychological posts and left many of us shaken and unsure. You know, to some degree, a sense of normalcy has returned and we, we can see this all around us. People have found their own unique ways to navigate this new territory. But a rough experience can reshape our expectations for the future. And as a result, we become more cautious and we, we rethink our actions. You know, we need to, we, we slow things down and consider how to move, move forward. But this is a good thing. When it becomes a bad thing is when we become, when being cautious actually turns into being overcautious. It's when our rethinking or thinking becomes overthinking. Now, when this happens, it means that we believe what happened to us yesterday will happen to us again tomorrow. We believe the past is a predictor or a crystal ball of the future. So as we migrate further into 2022, I think it is prudent, it is important for us to be aware of our expectations because they influence our thoughts, our feelings, our actions. And so one approach is to explore the expectation experience loop. So the question it asks is, or it forces us to ask, is like, what is an expectation? Now, I know you know what an expectation is, but I just want to make sure we're on the same page, on the same sentence here, that we operationally define it. You know, an expectation is the degree of probability that something will occur. You know, an optimistic narrative or a story we tell ourselves leads to an optimistic expectation. This puts us into um, a mental state, a mindset of looking forward and anticipating something. Now, this same logic plays out if we subscribe to a pessimistic narrative. Then the future will tend to look bleak with limited possibilities. Maybe we can say with muted colors, it doesn't have the vibrancy of a, an optimistic expectation. So sometimes the super advice we often get is to change how we look at things. Okay, that's good in itself. You know, someone will say, look at the positive side and think glowing affirmations. 
Well, I can tell you from my own experience, it is easier said than done. I, 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 when I find myself in a deep hole in a darker mindset, per se, it's going to take a little more than simply shifting my thinking. If I want to remove the weight off me, I'm going to need more leverage than, I don't know, the weak, skinny arms of positive thinking. So this leads to the next question. If we've defined expectation, what is an experience? Well, an experience, the knowledge or the practical wisdom we gain from what we observe or what we encounter, you know, what we go through, what, what we've undergone. You know, it is the experience that has the momentum and the strength to shake me out of my doldrums. You know, experiences, it, it's life's raw and authentic lessons with no filters. You know, an experience can be like, you can compare it to the weather. There is good, there, there is no good or bad weather per se. It's just an experience. What makes it good or bad is the meaning each of us assigns to it. So I can look out my window today and it's, it's a blue sky. And I can say, it's, oh, it's a beautiful day. But it's not a beautiful day. It's just a day. If I have a gray and it's, it's raining and it's cold, it doesn't mean it's a bad day. It's just the weather. But what makes it good or bad is the meaning I assign to that weather. You know, two people can undergo an identical experience. One person will wish it never happened but is willing to learn from it, to grow and to develop. You know, they're, they're willing to try again so they can adapt, you know, learn and evolve to the next time that situation or a similar situation pops up. The second person, the second person will also wish it never happened, but it will, but he or she will take nothing from that lesson. They will shut it away and then what will they do? They'll avoid any similar situation in the future creates an avoidance behavior where the first one has more of an approach behavior. Now, it's never going to be easy to move into a difficult, challenging situation. But it is one of the surest ways that I know that we can put our expectations to the test. It doesn't mean we have to go full, thro- full throttle. You know, We don't have to have our pedal to the metal in a sense. We don't have to go rushing blindly into experience. Rather, we can take a more cautious approach, a more thoughtful approach into things. And what I mean is we can take the time to observe and reflect and then choose our approach. You know, I find the best place to start is usually with what we can call the low-hanging fruit. You know, these are the situations where the consequences are minor if things do go sideways. But it also allows us to learn from the experience and to test our expectations you know, as my confidence grows, then I, will, then I will up my game. I will try a little harder. I will try something more challenging. All right, so now we've operationally defined what an expectation is, and we've operationally defined what an experience is. Now, if we put these two units together, we create an expectation experience loop. So let's say I gave you a mason jar, and it's filled with jelly beans, and I ask you, okay, how many jelly beans do you think are in this jar? Well, you'd probably physically pick up the jar, consider the size of jelly beans, and then do some sort of mental mathematics. Now, more than likely, you won't guess the correct amount. You may come close, or you may be totally off. You'll be somewhere in the spectrum. Now, one way of correcting your estimate would be to actually pour out those jelly beans and actually physically count them. Only then would you know how close your estimate came to the actual number. Now, as we've explored an expectation of an upcoming situation, 
is only an estimate of what we think is going to happen or occur. Now, our experience informs us how close our expectation was to what actually occurred. Now, the space between an expectation and experience is where the learning really happens. Now, it's, it is also where a person chooses what they will do with that lesson. And this is a key crossroads, okay? Will they embrace the lesson or will they ignore the lesson? So the question is, how do we embrace experience to shape future expectations? Well, there are a number of steps, but let's, let's start with, obviously, step one. Now, an experience provides a lot of learning input, but that's only half the process, to come full circle, it is incumbent on us. You know, it's important for us to turn that input into an output. And that is what we want to do is translate what we have learned into action. We want to translate it into an effort. We need to move things forward. Now, we can do this in three ways. The first way of step one is we can reflect. So after we learn something, we can ask ourselves, okay, what are the takeaways? How can I apply the insights to my life? You know, these types of questions help to land the learning and reshape our expectations. Now, this doesn't always have to be, this could be with a success, for example. If you and your team succeeded at something, well, that's a good time to kind of celebrate, but understand the DNA of why you did it, why the team did it so well. What, What were the variables that were in place? What did you say or do? But the same insight can be pulled around, pulled from if we make a mistake or we foul up. You know, so if, if, if you have a positive experience, then you can ask yourself questions like, what well, well and how can we repeat it? You know, if an experience didn't go as planned, then you can always explore the ways you can improve for the next time. So any situation, any experience, we can draw lessons from it and then plan it. Now, the second, so we've talked about reflect of step one. We can also do implement of step one. So once we've collected our insight, the next step to actually implement them, you know, in this case, we want to turn those lessons into things we can act on, actions that we can execute on. Learning without uh, without implementation, without putting them to action, is something what we call the illusion of competence. You know, when you have all the input, you think you know what you want, but unless we translate into action and allow that experience to teach us, well, this is where we think we have mastered the knowledge of a material, but we truly haven't. In other words, we have all the book knowledge, but we have no experience knowledge, or at least very little experience knowledge. And at the end of the day, what really shines in the real world is experience knowledge and not textbook knowledge. So we've talked about reflect and implement of step one, but we can also share. That's the third thing of step one. So another way is to share what you've learned with others. You know, when I'm excited about something I've just learned, I want to tell someone about it. Uh, Maybe I'm just sort of wired that way. (laughs) Maybe there's something wrong with me. I don't know. Well, anyways, uh, I I want to find, I, I find it difficult sometimes literally to explain in a way that is understandable for others in my head. It's fully explainable. But when I trans, try to translate my thoughts into concrete words and to teach someone, then I can see where, my, where I can articulate and where I'm not so good at articulating. And where I'm not so good is where the gaps of my knowledge lie. And so this is where 
um, this is where or you can you can discover where you're fluent, and then okay, I don't have to relearn that. But here's where a gap. How can I bridge that gap or fill in those gaps? So I can see where my knowledge flows and where there are those those gaping holes. Let's move on to step two. Now, our expectations are a combination of how we think and feel things are going to turn out. What is typical for most of us is to fuel our expectations with worry. Then we accept them as unassailable truths. And as a result, we don't question our expectations and instead we act on them. We, we translate them into actions. Now, we can't prevent worried-filled thoughts and emotions from springing into our minds, into our heads. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. Instead, we can interpret those thoughts, those negative thoughts and those spirals and emotions as information and data. Think to when the fuel or the battery indicator in your car lights up. You consider the information presented to you and decide on a course of action. Do you fill up the next station or do you have enough juice, enough battery power, enough fuel to get to where you need to get? We can do the same with our thoughts and our emotions. We can observe and reflect on the information and then choose our response. This is more a desirable direction than the traditional route of accepting them as unquestionable truths and blindly reacting to them. So step three, psychological resilience is something we can all strengthen. To do this, resilience requires us to take ownership of how we focus our attention It's too easy for us to focus on all the doors that have closed and all the opportunities lost. This is not to deny any of this, but it does beg the question, how does focusing on the downside help us in the long run? If we are to push through turbulent times, it requires us to feel a level of certainty and autonomy. One of the best ways to do this is to make a decision and to take concrete action to move things forward. It is actually in the doing that we take back control and create certainty. Sometimes it will be two steps forward and one step back. The experience teaches us to adapt our tactics to find another way forward. Over time, our experience shapes our expectations to be more constructive and forward-focused. You know, the last two years has, has made us, it has forced us all to become tourists in our own lives. And I think that is a good thing. It has jolted us awake and to take account of what we have and what we don't have in our lives. More importantly, this abrupt wake-up call begs the question, how will each of us choose to move into this new post-pandemic world? Well, thank you for joining me on this first episode. I hope you found it interesting and I hope you found it useful and practical in your day to day. I look forward to bringing more of these episodes and more of the interviews to add to this picture of building resilience because the psychological wave after this pandemic is now landed. And the question is, how do we deal with it? How do we stop talking about post-traumatic stress and start moving the conversation towards post-traumatic growth? We all need it. And we all can build on it. Well, I really appreciate your time. If you can, please like, please subscribe, and please recommend the podcast to a couple people you know. But until next time, keep well, keep strong, and we'll speak soon.